House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren. Mr. Joe Goldberg is back in the house. I'm here, Al. We're spending a lot of time together. I know. I People are going to talk. Yeah, yeah. I know. my wife's going, who are you talking to? Uh, nobody. Nobody. Well, she, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Not far off there. Um, well, well, we're talking to somebody today. I was going to say, speaking of nobody. <laughs> no, I went the other way, see. See, you're a good you're a good guy. You're the I'm good, guy. good I'm guy. I'm the bad guy today. I'm the bad cop. You're the good cop. How's that? I can do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't write cop stuff. He writes cop stuff. So. This time we've got Mr. David Darling. Eh? And he's uh, bringing his new book in, in into the world. It's called Edge of Time. It's a time travel adventure novel. So, David, uh, how are you doing? Hi, Al. I'm, I'm doing great. Joe, nice to talk to you both again. And uh, things are doing pretty good up here. What is going on? Okay. Um, how did you get into this sci-fi sort of theme from what you were doing? Like, what, what, what was the change for you? Well, for those of you that don't know, my main, uh, my bread and butter, so to speak, is the, the Noah Hunter series. It's a, a police uh, thriller series. And during breaks or sometimes you just need a break. And I like to uh, read science fiction fantasy. And as one of my breaks, I, I plugged away at a, a science fiction time travel novel. Lo and behold, after many sessions uh, going back over the years, uh, it finally got done. So a, a little side project that never intended to turn into a book uh, turned into a book. There's a lot of things that I, but I wouldn't have the confidence to do it. Like it's tough to step out of what you do. And I know there's still things involved in this with you know fbi special agent you still got stuff going on i don't know if i would i step out of my comfort zone was there a particular reason do you have like a real thing for for sci-fi that was uh science fiction fantasy was the genre that uh i, I grew up with since i turned 14 uh, many many years ago I had never gotten gotten rid of any of my novels. I still have I have thousands of books on the shelves, and they're a real pain when you're moving. Uh, there's quite a few of them, but uh, so I always that's where my heart is, and that's where I turned around and uh, just to, as an escape from my police uh, genre thriller series, that's where that's where I escaped to. As a writer, it, it was more of a challenge for the simple fact that. Uh, uh, a science fiction novel it doesn't translate the same as a police novel so the pacing is different the 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 length the everything's different in <laughs> in that part I, I really enjoyed it uh, as a challenge and I, and I'm pretty sure I pulled it off but uh time will tell along with the critics so besides your history and love of reading and your thousand books I've seen pictures of you've posted it's a lot of books um, who were your influences in the science fiction fantasy realm, which is an interesting genre? Oh, for sure. I, I would say my uh, Robert A. Heinlein uh, was my uh, one of my first influences. He, yes, I I started off with some of his uh, uh, space space adventures and uh, some of his novels, and for, for everything from Friday to Number of the Beast. Um, and there's there's just so many in between. I grok that. Oh, it's oh, 
Man, that's is that ever a good Stranger one? Stranger to Strange, Stranger to Strange Land. Stranger in a Strange Land for sure. That's all, one of my favorites. Although I did try reading it again a few years ago, and I found it didn't quite hold up to the test of time. They, exactly. Uh, it was it was fairly uh, dated. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Along with yes. well, he's at the time it was uh, cutting edge. So right. uh, even from Piers Anthony to uh, oh, I'm trying to look around here real quick to get some more examples. <laughs> And, uh, I was an Asimov guy. How about Isaac Asimov or uh, you know I never Arthur C. Clarke or that king. Uh, Clark, I've got quite a few of his. Asimov, touch and go. It just wasn't really holding my interest. However, really? um, the love of the genre was was still there, and that uh, stayed with me even till where I'm now. Like I've I've also in the back pocket there, I got a couple other fantasy novels not published or. Um, quite doing anything with at this moment but uh it's just these little side projects over time they just keep uh accumulating and next thing you know they're done so you gotta do something with them well what elements am i gonna find in edge of time that i don't see in tipping point and grave choices and and the the rest of them boy did the research have to bang on for this one so when i'm talking about a farmer from the 1700s Man, do I got to know about farming in the 1700s. Uh, you know, one of the big decisions in the later 1700s was, uh, do they grow corn, tobacco, or this new plant that's becoming popular, indigo, because uh, the, the dye was being used for denim jeans. And that was all starting to become popular. They were expensive, but they were becoming popular. So that's you had to look these things up. I had to look up some of the... Well, I'm, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I haven't quite describe yeah, the story but uh i was about to say maybe you should summarize the, yeah. the book or the plot well, behind it and then <laughs> make more sense yeah okay well the, the whole plot is about uh, a meteor that falls on a farmer's field and he's south of rural boston which is from the heart of boston right now it's about uh, uh 13 miles south and that was that was the fall farmland back then so this meteor falls on this farmer's property his name is clement wallace uh meteor has strange properties and he ends up being able to travel through time cut scene to modern day and there was a break-in at fort knox and an artifact was stolen that uh roosevelt had placed in fort knox upon its opening so um they call in the top fbi uh investigator at the time his name is uh, uh brad holman and he starts this whole thing off by investigating the Fort Knox uh, burglary. And from there, uh, you'll find out that uh, time travel is possible. And he ends up working with the farmer from the 1700s and in order to stop a black hole from destroying the planet. It's slightly different than a police thriller novel. Yeah. You got black holes, you got time travel, you got seventeen hundred. I mean what what don't you have in there? Yeah. Talking ah. monkeys or do you have maybe have the Yeah, I tried to avoid the the world plagues on this one. Uh, nobody wants to read about that anymore. However, uh yeah, so now, now I can officially say yes, the research for this was uh, quite elaborate. Uh you can find plans of Fort Knox you you can find out what it was like uh, in 1926 when Roosevelt was there, and he was the first and only president to visit Fort Knox, and the rest have declined. Uh, we're up to present day. When I'm talking about time travel, uh, relativity, and cre- creating a black hole using a particle accelerator, well, there's a lot of research going into this. So I spent weeks 
weeks and weeks just researching this. Uh, it's called the Triumph Building. It's based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, and they have a particle accelerator there. Can you create a black hole in a particle accelerator? <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, however, they're, they're they're basically the size of a millimeter, uh, and uh, they, they evaporate. They disappear within, you know, like a point two of a second or something like that. But because now we're dealing with time travel and some uh, uh, mystical force that's uh, not bound to the laws of the universe, uh, things get out of hand and get out of hand quickly and bad. And that's, where, and that's the summation in a nutshell. Were you trying to, in this book, do more than entertain? Are there themes in this thing that uh, people say, ah, I see whatever themes you may have had? Not as much. No. Or was it just pure well, entertainment? It's just pure entertainment. Now, you have your most of your stories, um, as you know, Joe, from uh, the spy trade craft is uh, like man versus man or man, man versus machine or man versus a biological weapon or a virus. You know, you have all these different things. So I, I, I believe I've turned this into a man, man versus a time. Uh, because time itself does not want to be changed. So, and this is some of the struggles that these two characters go through as they're uh, trying to uh, stop this black hole from uh, destroying the planet. So it's kind of a quest. In a in a way, yeah. So they, you know, they there's no it's like greatest American hero. There's no su- there's no superhero manual. There's no reason to they can travel through time, but that doesn't mean they know it. There's no manual. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Where's that manual for time travel? Yeah, there's yeah, there's no manual for time travel. So these guys are they, they mess up, uh, they make mistakes, and uh, some of those mis- mistakes are dire, and uh, they they try again. And that, that's part of the thing I really it, I, I enjoy a nice time travel story. Um, I, I think uh, I've pretty su- much succeeded in doing something that's rather unique. I haven't read that. Obviously, I haven't read anything about uh, this type of uh, scenario or plot line yet or else I wouldn't have wrote it. So I, I really hope everybody enjoys it in that regard. So so your dialogue, how's the dialogue with, especially when you have someone from the 1917s and stuff like that? I guess that would have been a lot of your research too, right? Yes. The, the, the archaic references are, are there. However, uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but I, I'll, go, I'll go ahead and uh, put this forth, that uh, the farmer from the 1700s, a couple centuries, he decides to not do anything and, wallow in his misery and uh, mourn his missing wife, which he probably uh, repeatedly tried to bring back to life and uh, nothing worked. However, um, so he's been around. He knows how to use the internet and computers and stuff like that because he's he's lived through that those times. So this is him in the future working with our present day uh, an FBI agent from our present day. So that's, that's sort of my work around on that. How many different time periods did you have to study? Research. Sam read it. I went through yet. I w- yeah, I went through mainly the the late seventeen hundreds. From there, um, you were just a kid then, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Easy He's, pops. Yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. Who's the oldest one on the call? Maybe it's me. It's me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No oh, one's yeah. older than you. <laughs> yes. Me and Moses oh, went to high school gosh. together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> carrying those stone tablets around must have been hard on your back. But, uh, yeah, so I studied mainly the late 1700s, and I worked my way through uh, because the various presidents of the United States were involved. This is 
before the first president of the United States. And uh, when he's involved as well, to a certain extent, because he was a leader of the commanding army at the time before he accepted the presidency. So uh, I worked my way through several different presidents, uh, Hoover, Ford, and and up to uh, today, although I, there's there's some legal implications about using today's president, uh, like Joe Biden, in a book. You can be sued, <laughs> so if he doesn't if he doesn't find it favorable. So you know, I came up with a uh, uh, Bauer. I came up with a, a nice hockey name there, and uh, president. Yeah. The, the current president is President Bauer. So and uh, along with the director of the current FBI. So we're the good guys, and then near the end, maybe they're not. So I'll stick with my choices. So well, I asked you sort of what the difference was between the new book and the police procedures. What when if you're someone's at the at the bookstore, of course your books are in the bookstore, and they're reaching for Nelson DeMille, and right next to it is a Dave Darling. What what does the reader find? What do they see? What is a Dave Darling book? Well, regardless of the genre. I, I like to keep the the pace moving. So a lot of science fiction fantasy novels will literally spend pages and pages describing the inn, the meals, the food, travel. I can't do that. It just blows my mind. So um, all the things that, as a reader, I I skip on. I just yeah, they're describing uh, an, another tavern. Great. I just go right to the next dialogue. So I get I get the idea what they're doing, but I don't uh, follow through with it. I don't I don't write that stuff into my books. I, I call that stuff fluff, and uh, I try and uh, avoid it. So while this is a science fiction novel, uh, it leans more towards uh, thriller or action adventure. So the pace the pacing is there. It's from from the first uh, three or four pages. Uh, I like to sink that hook in, uh, just like a good fisherman, and reel in the reader. And I don't quite have the cliffhangers on each chapter and like a, like a thriller book would because they, they want you to turn pages. Uh, but there's enough there to keep the reader engaged and wanting to know more. So as a science fiction book from 30 years ago, you just wouldn't see most of this stuff. It just, it wasn't, it's sort of like a, a modern take on writing, you know, like Brandon Sanderson for fantasy. He, he will go on for a whole entire chapter, like 2,000 words describing a setting. He's, he's all world-building. I'm more about the plot, the action, to keep the reader engaged. Well, you've mentioned reader several times. How much do you think about your reader as you're writing? Are they standing over your shoulder, or are they kind of, oh, oh, let me get this draft done, and I'll see you later, reader. They don't think about you. I, I don't. I, I like to assume a certain level of education for my readers. So, like, if you're a 12-year-old and you're reading this novel, well, first, good for you. There's a couple F-bombs in there, so beware. But uh, I'm going on the uh, an average adult knows this material. So when I'm studying particle accelerators in quantum mechanics, quantum physics, I'm not relating it like I'm reading, like Stephen Hawking's going to be reading this. So uh, Neil deGrasse, like, like these guys aren't going to be reading this novel so when I'm talking about a uh, a quantum bounce, it's a it's a theory of time um, about a, a black hole. So when you know I'm not talking it on a university level, I, I'm talking it to the average person. And so that in that way, I believe everybody, no matter your education level, can relate to. It. Do you find that um, in this book, do you write your the violence in the book or the sex in the book? 
differently than you would on your normal thriller, or do you stay away from that? Are you conscious of how you write those? I try and keep it well as anything in any any book I'm I'm writing, whether it's uh, a police uh, thriller novel, a science fiction, or a fantasy novel. I'm trying to keep it relevant for the reader. So if it's not relevant, it doesn't. It's not relevant for the book. Then I won't have it in there. Now, most science fiction, you know, War of the Worlds, yeah, <laughs> millions of people are dying. So you know, there's there's violence in these in these books. Is it the same as a thriller novel? Well, there I I do have a couple scenes in there because he is an FBI agent and you know he's getting a little ticked off and he can do things that we can't now because of the time travel aspect. So uh, I wondered. I even I wrote this really great scene near the end. And uh, I questioned to my editor and agent, well, is this, do you, do you think this, this scene should be there? Because this is clearly from, from uh, more of a, a police thriller aspect or a, or a thriller novel, a shoot em out scene. And uh, he's like, no, 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 you got to leave that in. Oh, I'm not exactly sure. And he goes, no, no, leave it in. So uh, that's one of the rare times my editor wanted me to leave things in uh, as opposed to, <laughs> using the red pen to take things out. So uh, on completion of this book and and finishing uh, the sci-fi time travel sort of thing, um, how do you think it's changed you and how will you, you know, for your next book? It's like, so when you go back to the thriller, uh, if you're going back to that, how do you think it's going to be different? Well, um, well, this book has seen many eyes over the years. And at one point I wasn't even sure it was viable or not i ended up working with a name a guy you might know uh, ryan steck i worked with him with this on for months ryan has read it through many times and uh offered his corrections ideas concepts uh steered me on the path and then doesn't he work at dunkin donuts (laughs) yeah Yeah. dunkin donuts spies real spies Yeah. yeah Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, so we worked on it for a long time and then, uh, I was pitching it to agents all over the place. Uh, and then after about 150 rejection letters saying great story, great writing, uh, it's just not for me. I, I decided to, to shelf it for a while because man, you get a little tick. So, uh, and then, you know, I focus, I, this is all during all this time, I'm still focusing on my police series and, uh, I, I dusted it off again last fall. There's a problem with writing that uh, authors may find. Uh, when I first wrote this book, I would have said I was about a level two or a level three. There's no real grading mark here, but and because you know, I, I while I had some experience writing books, I didn't have a lot. So I wrote four. I wrote six books after I shelved that, and my knowledge and ideas had changed. So then I took edge of time and opened it up again and i read it and i went well no there's no wonder agents didn't want it even the first line was horrible so i rewrote the novel and then i shelved it again and i wrote a couple more books and then i opened it again and i still didn't like it so i rewrote edge of time three times i didn't even bother uh trying for another agent i already have an agent but we i didn't try for another publisher and i'm just releasing it now so it's been thoroughly vetted uh, and and uh changed you run a quest, you yeah. get a book out, just like your For characters. Sure. Well, what gave you such drive to keep coming back to it? What was it about this story that you wanted to make sure it got out there? Well, first, I, I consider myself a storyteller. You, you kind of got to it after, you know, book six. You, you got to realize that you're telling stories, and uh, I enjoy it. So 
I'm telling the story that I want to, I want to hear. And that's all I can do. And if other people enjoy that kind of thing and great, good for you. But when I, when I open it up again and there's glaring mistakes that I can now see, I, I go, well, well, let's, let's just fix that. And next thing you know, the book that I've been working on for months is on hold. And then I'm opening this novel that's three years old by now. Re, I reworked it again and again. And, and it sort of paid off because I still don't know who did it, but somebody gave Tom Colgan at Berkeley Penguin Random House, gave him the first four chapters. So four weeks ago, Tom emailed me and he says, I like it. Can you send me the whole entire manuscript? I'm like, wow, this is right after I had decided to self-publish and it was already coming out. I already had the cover work done and everything. And uh, Tom uh, and, uh, and his team loved the book. Liked the story, liked the writing, but they they just wasn't going to be for them. I know, but that's 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 good news for me. That just kind of validates my writing in a, in a way. That because uh, Tom's impartial, he, he's he's doing things for business. He's a great guy too. We've had we've talked a few times. So, uh, but it, it kind of it's a feel good moment where you're like, yeah, well this this book is good and it's good enough to really hold his attention. Might not be the one for the best for his company that he's talking about so i will uh, take that as a win and uh, i told him i'm going to go ahead and self-publish this and i go thank you very much and then i calmly slipped him a new story in in my email there and uh, that i just finished and got back from the editor so we'll see how that goes i heard he drove off the bridge yesterday. <laughs> yeah <laughs> too busy with bentley and everybody else. yeah <laughs> yeah well that would that would be the dream publisher for me uh why not have, have have big goals and we'll see where they go. Driving off the bridge. <laughs> well, what are your goals? Where are you going to be in five years? What's the future in your in your future book? Uh, well, in five years, I really uh, I, I'm retiring in about two and a half, and I I'm looking forward to uh, putting more time into into writing. Um, hopefully, some horrible rounds of golf, some fishing. <laughs> but um, in in five years, my daughter will be. Uh, 15 so uh i don't know if i'm gonna be uh, happy enough uh with my income so i'm I'm hopefully making a couple bucks making getting some books out there and uh we'll see where that goes well i'm sure it's better than dunkin donuts (laughs) you and dunkin donuts where is you as a writer in five years are you be doing what would you imagine in your future travel what you'll be as a writer in five or ten years or in the future i i hope I'm going to keep writing books that are, are the stories that I want to hear. And I enjoy doing it. I, I'm, I'm finding if I, if I have a crunch time and I have to get this book out or I'm all frustrated with it, I'm not enjoying it. And, and it, you can clearly see that by the, the, di- the dialogue, the, the choppy sentence. It's like the, the product itself. And I, I want to be able to do it. If I want to write a fantasy novel, uh, boy, do I, I'd love to get into that. I, I got a fantasy series on the go, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, I got a, well, I didn't, Edge of Time was supposed to be a single book, a standalone novel. However, it, it took me about two years before I could come up with a viable story that would enable it to turn into at least a, a two book series there. I sat down and uh, for about three, four weeks, on more research, more research, and uh, this time it's all on you know, the Irish history and stuff, but I started the sequel. So I'm a third done uh, the sequel to Edge of Time. In five, ten years, I'd love to be able to uh, have a solid relationship with a publisher that would uh, not only allow me to write uh, 
uh, action thriller novels, but uh, you know, if there's a a way to sneak in some fantasy and science fiction, sign me up. So I, I I like jumping around between those two genres, and uh, I find it really benefits the other because I can, while I'm still writing, I'm I'm having a break. I'm having a break from thrillers, writing about a, a magic system, yeah, or you know, if I'm tired of swords and sorcery, I can switch back to, uh, you know, a, a, an FBI agent or something, wh- whatever is holding my attention. Do, do you find yourself coming up with the story first, then the characters or the setting? Like, how how does it uh, develop for you? And I guess, obviously, now in in the series that you have, like Noah Hunter series, you, you, you've already set your character, so they're first in a way. But typically, how do you do it? Basically, it's a one or two paragraph idea uh, synopsis like you would read on the back of a book. So I had uh, I was literally going through my uh, new ideas folder. I have a whole folder, and inside there are Word documents, and that. there's got to be 30 or 40 different ideas in there for novels. And uh, this one kept coming back to me all the time about, uh, well, you – do you know the, the TV show uh, Alone by the, on the History Channel, I think it is, where the contestants go off to a remote area, they could bring 10 items, and the longest one out survives and wins. Alone naked? It's, well, they're not quite naked. They're, they're <laughs> well, they I'm might be afraid. afraid. So <laughs> it's something, that it's, like a, it's like Survivor, but they go to like remote places, and I mean, there's absolutely nobody around. Uh, except another contestant, and they're so many so far apart that they can't help each other. So, and they film their whole experience. So it's a it's a sur- survival type type TV show. Well, I had an idea, but what if one of these contestants on the show turned around and uh, as he's filming his own adventures and he's surviving, hunting, fishing, etc., in the rugged uh, uh, up northern northern Ontario, uh, he comes across a. You know, some foreign uh, soldiers training, getting ready for an operation. Then uh, Tim Hendricks came out with his really brilliant novel called The Instructor, where as a a search, evasion, rescue uh, trainer uh, comes across some some bad guys while he's uh, teaching them how to train. So I I don't know the full synopsis of his, but it's close. It was close enough to his uh, idea that. when I was talking to Tim, I, uh, I bounced that idea off and I said, oh, man, I'm just, it's so close to your idea that I don't even know if I want to touch that now. He, he was laughing. He goes, nah, they don't. the first few pages will be the same. After that, he goes, you're on your own. So I'm like, all right. So off I go. So I just started another novel with that in mind. So the ideas are there. They just, I just, I work from a little paragraph, maybe two paragraphs, and I have to envision the, the whole story in my head, and then off I go. Are you one? Of, are you a one at a time writer, or do you, can you do juggle multiple things at the same time? I thought I could do multiple things at the same time. So at one point, I had a course of action, the, the the police thriller novel. I was working on a fantasy novel at the time, and I and then I was working on another project, and then I realized like uh, I'm I'm getting main character I'm getting characters' names messed up. I'm getting like, it was just, it was horrible. So all in all, uh, I I think I like to work on one at a time just to keep things straight in my head. Yeah, it's tough walking and chewing gum for me, so <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's for you. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, plus, I, I think um, while it can be done, don't get me wrong, uh, however, I believe the story that you're working on solely uh, without other distractions will be better for it. How important is the setting to you, the location? Is it is it um, key, and do you make it into a character, 
or is it just kind of kind of accessory? Well, the everything everything all is also at the whim of the publisher. So uh, a friend, uh, Steve Yersani, he uh, just finished a. He wrote his novel called The Perfect Shot. The publisher loved it. However, it was about a Canadian sniper, and in Canada, and the publisher. Well, that's a fantasy. Yeah. Well, hey, we we Canadian <laughs> snipers still have the longest uh, distance shot. My buddy was standing right beside the guy who did it in, the, in Afghanistan. So. I still, I've seen the video on his phone. <laughs> but any, anyway, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about that. The publisher will turn around and say, yep, love the story. Uh, let's change that character's name to uh, whatever. And, uh, okay, uh, based in Canada. Nope, that's not going to work for me. I want this based out of, you know, Los Angeles. Okay, and he's a U.S. sniper. He's not a Canadian sniper. Go. Well, hey, you want the, you want the job? You want the... You want your novel out? Yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. I'll, I'll do that. And that's and that's the way it is. So I, I don't mind that. Uh, I'm not attached to the, the setting or the place as much as I, I am, uh, you know, the characters and whatnot. But if the, if the publisher wants me to change it, then I will. What kind of relationship do you have with your characters? That's actually a good question. I like that. Um, <laughs> bugger. Okay, I had been talking to uh, Kyle Mills for a bit, and he was describing how he did some of his setup for his novels. So he'll he'll write a 26,000 word guideline for his his novels. So and he'll have it per chapter, this is what's going to happen here, this next chapter, this is what's going to happen here, these are the characters and he'll go on and on. So he he'll write half a novel or third of a novel just to outline a novel. So I tried that. So with my second novel, my brave choices, I did that. So I I wrote 20,000 words out and I had it all laid out. I had plot, I had chapter by chapter how things were going to go how it was going to and it was brilliant i loved it i spent months on it and then week three of writing uh i realized noah hunter the character the police officer wouldn't do this because i had already established i created him i, I know how he thinks hopefully because i i'm i'm the guy so anyway uh in book one he was all established and this is how he would have reacted to these situations so in book two when i started writing all of a sudden, Noah wasn't doing what I had laid out all planned <laughs> for the rest of the book because I, I listened to the character and it worked. I, I so I ended up throwing out twenty thousand words of outline, and uh, I, I went and I listened to the characters. Well, this is what this guy would have done, so I didn't uh, change it about to make it easier for me. So you tried to be an outlier, and then he became a pantser, and yeah, uh, and it just what's it's all right. I'm a hybrid. I'm more of a pantser. I'm more a pantser than an outliner, but I kind of know. Do you know the ending? Do you know where you need to go at certain spots to make sure you get to where you yes. need to be? Uh, however, for, now, not to bring all, that all back to uh, Edge of Time, uh, I got characters jumping around in time. And at one point, they meet each other and meet themselves again, right? Time travel. Sure, why not? I had 38 pages of the time stream in, in the plot line spread it over my living room floor and down the hall to make sure it worked. I And you had to do that or else. <laughs> so I don't know if that was pantsing or uh, plotting or not, but uh, I, had, I had to make it work. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did because uh, it, it turned out and everything was uh, pretty good uh, following that timeline. But I, I don't know if that's quite a, a plotter or not. Well, it's your outline, it's your structure. 
Well, yeah. Time is your structure of your business. Yes. Yeah, I guess I'd buy that. That'd be more structured. Um, but then I, I can, I can carry that whole novel. I know where it's all going to go in my head, but I, and I can keep it in my head while I'm writing, going towards a goal, even if it's a, a, a third of the way through the book. That's my, you know, that's my, that's my goal at 40,000 words. I want to have this, this, and this done. Uh, you know, but I can't remember my wife's birthday. I, you know, I could, I could juggle all these facts and I learned quantum mechanics, uh, just, just so to write this last note, this book here. And, uh, you know, but uh, I have problems remembering what we did last weekend. <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but it is what it is. Priorities, baby. Priorities. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Well, what makes a good book for you? Like, what do you like in a book? When you read it, what do I like in a good book? I, I like something that doesn't follow the tropes per se. A really good book that will capture my attention is is it feels like I just went through a breakup or uh, a horrible divorce at the end. My God, this is over. Like there's nothing else left. Like there's no hidden chapters. Like I feel a sense of loss, and I I, I wish I could really try and get that uh, a reader to have that feeling when when my book is done when they're reading my book. Um, I don't know if I'm successful or not. That would be up to a reader to let me know. However, um, one of the things I really enjoy about that is just the, the sense of getting involved in it and wanting to turn those pages. Just, just I'm just going to stay up another five minutes just to find out what happens and how they get out of this, whatever this is. When you put together the book, you don't have any sort of direction in a way. It just sort of comes along, like you get kind of your, your story, your idea, and you just kind of go with it. And that is there ever a time when you kind of get halfway through through a book or a manuscript and you're at a point where you you lose interest and you just want to stop? Yes, <laughs> boy, that's happened a lot. My gosh, yeah. So what do you do? Like what, when that happens, like what do you, what do you do, or what do you say for advice for someone else that's just starting to write? Let's say because that's going to happen. Period. Do you just uh, give it a rest and move forward and come? back to it or do you push yourself through or do you just shelve it for good i, I could give you a, a current example uh, last week so i was i'm trying to get book four of the noah hunter series completed it's called hunter's gambit and the, an illicit arms shipment was uh confiscated in the small town and it and it, and it took off from there and the, the bad guys are trying to get their stuff back okay so i'm writing it and I'm at 67,000 words. So I'm, I'm getting near the end. And then I realized pretty much that Noah Hunter isn't really, it left off being a police thriller novel and, and turned into uh, an action adventure spy type thriller. And this guy is turning into some sort of super special operative who's taking on all the bad guys and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Michael, <laughs> some of this stuff's great, but I can't use it. So, you know, I deleted 40,000 words and brought it back to a, a critical turning point there. So I did that again. And so I took off from there again. Uh, another 13,000 words in there. And I'm like, I, that just didn't, that can't happen. So I deleted it. <laughs> so I, uh, it, I wasn't listening to the story and I wasn't listening to the characters. I, I knew what I, everything I wrote was really cool, but it might have been more of a, a Mitch Rapp kind of novel versus, uh, a police uh, thriller procedural novel. So uh, it comes down to you got you to gotta listen to your characters. You got to listen to the story. You got to stay within those boundaries. 
I was just going to say, where do you get all this from? Like you write a lot of espionage, spy, thriller, and um, and even you know with the science fiction twist, but it's still you've got a lot of that, let's say, law enforcement theme inside of that. So wh- where does that come from for you? Where you feel comfortable enough to write it? Or, or are you going to tell us you were really part of the NSA or something <laughs> like that? That we. You know, we don't it's the know. Beard. The beard yeah. speaks. Well, yeah. It's here now, Joe. He's looking pretty handsome. Anyway. Um, <laughs> How could it I, not, dude? Well, I, I, was in the, I was in the Army for 17 years. And I learned in the Army, you, there's a lesson and a course for just about everything, including, uh, let's just say, I, I'm teaching everybody how to uh, drive a Jeep. I, oh, man, I taught hundreds, hundreds of kids how to drive Jeeps. A lot of scary moments in there, and I earned every gray hair. But we have a procedure. So there's, you know, you do your first parade, you check your tire pressure, your oil, and then you go through and you, you and the, it's progressive. And then you get into tactics. Okay, well, when you're driving around a corner or a blind corner, this is how we're going to do it. You know, and you, you got your, you're like a four-man team in, in Jeeps, say. And that progresses off to tanks and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a procedure and a way to do everything. So knowing that, I translated that over to while writing my police novels there's police i I, i've trained with some i've trained with police the rcmp the uh, durham region police the toronto police services uh while i was in the army as well and i was a martial art instructor so i taught them as well but um so i looked up police procedural techniques Uh, for example um, um like there's 20 26 steps for securing a crime scene how do you secure a crime scene well Everything I was reading and researching was in Canada, but my uh, novel takes place in Wyoming. So I went on. I found uh, the Douglas Police Academy in Wyoming. Uh, I looked up. Uh, oh, there's the course materials. It's crime scene, securing a crime scene. Great. I downloaded the PDF, and I started reading it, and I took all my notes. Um I, I knew the important points to look for. Once I learned it, I learned it. And that's, that's great. I can apply that knowledge to future novels. Same with uh, ballistics. Same with all the way up to this latest novel, uh, uh, quantum physics. Stuff like that. I could, I could read it. I knew enough to... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not an expert at it, but I, I, I can work my way through uh, uh, parts of a particle accelerator now and to, to know enough to... Get, get what I need out of my for my story, and then I can move on. So uh, I've also had like you know some experts I've relied on. Uh, I've had a a friend is a retired uh, police detective, uh, a homicide detective. So I bounced some ideas off him. Uh, he's like, yeah, you're you're on the right track. Keep going. Or he said a detective will never ask a, a trooper or a, a police officer. To, to do this, he, he, he'll tell him to do this. You know, you, it's a direct order. You, you know, take that prisoner, book him, get him to the hospital, then meet me back here. So stuff like that. So, uh, I, I, I mainly researched and relied on, on friends. What's your favorite type, um, of theme to work with in this, in this genre? So, um, you know, the type of espionage or spy sort of category thriller. What what theme do you like to work with? I think one of my favorite themes is it's the average guy. He's your average Joe. Joe? Joe. I've, uh, I've heard it before. Well, I, well it had to come up once or twice. Um, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's an unassuming guy. He just ends up getting caught up in these situations, and he reacts accordingly. 
He doesn't react like uh, the guy's been trained by the Green Berets. He doesn't react like he's a Navy SEAL. He, but he does things to get the job done, uh, whatever he needs to be doing. It, it might only be, at that time, it might only be to save his skin. Perfect. This is how this average guy would react. And um, he gets caught up into a series of events. Does he back down or does he not back down? It's not his thing, but he, there's the right thing to do. And then he moves on in in that manner. So I think that's my favorite my favorite concept. Uh, it's just just the average guy just doing doing his thing, and he gets caught up into a series of events, and then uh, the story takes it from there. Wow! And I suppose you you um, write about the evil guy from your own personal experience. Uh, which evil guy? I, uh... <laughs> Anybody <Yeah>. bad? <laughs> well, if you. Just take it out of your. Uh, well, the, the bad guys don't believe they're bad guys. That's just the. Right. That's the. That's the, the crux of things, really. Um, you got how how many different religions? How many different wars were started with religions? Uh, because of religion, um, and, and not one of them think they're the bad guy. <laughs> well, okay. Well, it's yeah. it's perspective. So um, while I'm writing, you know the for. For example, you know, one of my novels was about uh, organized crime. Uh, they, you know, they had judges and lawyers and the whole, everybody in on the take. And then that was the bad guy, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, like, but for example, in this latest novel, Edge of Time, there, there, there was no real bad guy per se. It was, it was uh, them against events, uh, them against uh, time that did not want to be changed and dealing with their own mix-ups. So now... Um... Where do people find David Darling? You know, like uh, website, social media, street corner. Like what? What? Where do people? Well, currently I'm on my desk, but when I'm not sitting here, you can find me at a uh, uh, DavidDarlingBooks.com, or you can search for me on uh, Twitter. Fairly conversant on Twitter, uh, David Darling CA on Twitter, and uh, probably there might be a few links when you post this uh, story. Well, fantastic. <laughs> well, make sure people get it. We'll send them right to you. I give out addresses, phone oh, numbers, and everything. perfect. Yeah, come on over. My kitchen yeah. floor ain't going to clean itself. Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Well, it's been it's been interesting. It's been a thrill, of course. We've had the crazy Canadian Mr. David Darling and his new book, of course, Edge of Time. So thank you very much for being here. Well, well, thank you very much for having me. I, I, I guess this is my hat trick. This is my third uh, appearance on the show, and uh, although my first time with Joe. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This is the introduction of something with media. I'll be back.